This episode brought to you by Jackbox. Get five hilarious party games in the Jackbox Party Pack. Did you just hurt yourself? No, from the creators of You Don't Know Jack. Now on Xbox One, PS3, PS4, Steam, and more. Go to jackboxgames.com for more info. They say that a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Well, you just stepped in it. The 2016 Blurry Photos. Blurry Photos. This redesigned 280 Haint Power podcast accelerates from informative to inflammatory in 0.8 seconds. With a sleek new scarodynamic design, this podcast gets 24 city and 33 highway puns per minute. And as part of our ongoing commitment to the environment, Blurry Photos now runs exclusively on ethanol. Blurry Photos. Blurry Photos. For your safety, Dave and David are NTSA certified airbags. Featuring best-in-class suspension of disbelief for jarring turns. Bold exterior. Soft interior. The 2016 Blurry Photos. Blurry Photos. Available wherever podcasts are sold for zero down, zero due at signing. For leasing options, visit patreon.com slash blurry photos. Blurry Photos. Noise. Noise high. MSRP price for that's uh, pretty good. Yeah, like out the gate, it's uh, you can, and you it's can probably, affordable. Yeah, it's affordable. You could probably talk them down. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, they you know you, you know they always jack those things up. Yeah. So if they if, if they if you walk into a podcast dealership and they're like, I can put you in this podcast for zero money, be like, I'm walking away. Yeah. Just walk away. Yeah. Be like, no, no thanks. Yeah. I'm just looking. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Hi. Time to stop looking, start listening. Yeah. Because. Climb in, <laughs> buckle up, fuckers. Buckle <laughs> up. <laughs> nice. I'm David Flora. I am Dave Stecco. And you're <laughs> listening to the 2016 Blurry Photos. Blurry Photos. Yeah. How y'all doing? How y'all doing? Woo. <laughs> um, we got some real power under the engine this episode. Oh, shit, we do. We got some historical fact. Which doubles as historical horror. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. This is, mm, I feel like this is edging into uh, disclaimer territory. Yeah. Why not, Flora? I know how much you love a good disclaimer. Why don't you hit them with one? Oh, okay. Um, Let's just cover our bases. <laughs> I'll tell you right now, we're going to be talking about Joseph Mengele this episode. And right off the tip, Joseph was... A doctor at Auschwitz yeah. during uh, the Holocaust. Yeah. That automatically yeah, qualifies right, it for right then and there. A, uh, a caveat, I believe. But um, And oh how we wish it was just that. Yeah, yeah. It's we're we're gonna we've got some some details yeah. that are that are terrible. They're atrocious. Uh, we're I, I kind of stopped after a certain point. I stopped yeah. writing down stuff. Right. Yes. Same um, here. Same here. Yeah. You get to a point you're like, okay. Yeah, because here's the thing: everybody knows that the infamous Dr. Mengele was a bad guy, but people on it—I didn't—but people don't know much past that, and so we thought this is a a a good person to do an episode on, uh, because not only is it a terrifying and weird part of history, but his 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 life itself gets interesting, uh, yeah. even outside of the atrocity. And make no mistake about it: the atrocities that this guy's responsible for. Right, and and beyond that, uh, the 
I mean, I'm, I'm kind of edging into overview territory. Yeah, so I'll, exactly. I'll, yeah. I'll pull back the reins, but just keep in mind, everybody. I didn't even want to do this episode, but Flora loves this guy. <laughs> I hope by now you, you know that everything that comes out of that fucker's mouth is about the opposite of what actually is. <laughs> What's reality? <laughs> Full disclosure, the episode was my idea. Yeah, so so there, there's going to be some some stuff in here that's a little gruesome. Um, and and if you are not into World War II, the Holocaust, that kind of stuff, you're you're probably not going to have a good time. Right, and and also, I mean, I would direct you to the the almost complete full episode that we have, just as an extra yeah. tack on to our <laughs> couple, ghost stories. A couple weeks ago, yeah. With, you know, feel free to go back to that. Consider that an, an extra episode there for you. A very thickly cut slice of ghost story. Right. So that's that's what we're on yeah. about this episode. Uh, uh, if you're new to Blurry Photos, welcome. We're glad you're listening. Uh, we hope you you learn something. We hope yeah. you laugh a little bit. Want to want to dive in? Do we have yeah. any business? What what do you what do you oh, think? Oh boy, uh, business is good. Actually, uh, if you're sticking with us, we've got a little uh, a palate cleansing lozenge at the end that uh, Dave sent me a, a, yeah. a YouTube video the other night and. Oh God! That's that's our weekly uh, diversion. <laughs> Take your mind off what we're going to talk about right now: the nefarious Doctor of Auschwitz, Ugh. nicknamed the Angel of Death for his role in the atrocities suffered by the prisoners of the Nazi concentration camp. Accounts tell of Joseph Mengele performing unthinkable experiments on prisoners, most infamously his fascination of experimenting on twins, and the countless number of people killed under his direction and by his own hand. Now, from this abhorrent chapter in human history, we've been left with a rather perplexing mystery, some would say, uh, a Brazilian town where the twin birth rate is almost 1,000% higher than the global average. What? And many dark-haired, blue-eyed folks are said to dwell there. Just a little bit out of place. And we'll be taking a look at how Mingala found his way to being a chief physician at the Nazis' most well-known concentration camp, what he's alleged to have done there and after, and why a Brazilian town is linked to him. Yeah, how did that happen? There's there's quite a bit of uh, fiction to separate from fact here, and the facts are terrible enough. Are pretty despicable. Yep, there's no way to sugar a coat them. <sighs> Mengele was born in 1911 in Gunzburg, Germany which is in Bavaria and about uh, 125 kilometers west of Munich. For all of you with maps. He was the son of a wealthy farming tool manufacturer, Karl Mengele. By all accounts, he was bright, well-liked, and carried many varied interests. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Horrifying interests. Well, not at the time. You don't know that. You're right. You're right. <laughs> you can say that about anything. <laughs> I know. That's what I like about it. <laughs> it's lame and irrefutable. That's in- what my tattoo says. <laughs> Oh, by the way, Dave's getting a tattoo, everybody. <laughs> no one It's will a picture of that. his face, and it says, lame and irrefutable. Nice. In 1930, he began studies in medicine at Goethe University Frankfurt and philosophy at the University of Munich. Go ra- uh, <laughs> My first question was like, I want what their mascot would be. The, the raging monks? Yeah. The, the praying monks? The, 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 the pretzel tossers? <laughs> In 1935, he earned a PhD in physical anthropology from the University of Munich. Fight, fighting monks. That's what yeah, I was trying the to think. Fighting of. monks. Yeah, the fighting yeah, monks. I think you're right. 
raging monks. They're not Cajun. They don't rage. <laughs> Fight. I think I think now we can start to see where, where the wheels started to fall off this here Volkswagen. <laughs> uh, in January 1937, uh, he was chosen to study at the Institute for Hereditary Biology and Racial Hygiene at the University of Frankfurt, where he became the assistant to, of Dr. Ottmar von Verschur. It's a fun name. Wow. A leading scientific figure widely known for his research with twins. And he received a doctorate in medicine the next year. Um, the same year that he joined the Nazi party for the record. <laughs> Not that it matters at this point, but in 1964, they decided to, to try to clean up the oldest, driedest spilled milk in the world and rescinded it because of the crimes he committed. Uh, then in 38, joined the Stutzstaffel. I wanted to say that part because I wanted to say Stutzstaffel, which is the SS. Right. That's what everyone else calls it. <laughs> Yeah, it's still fun to say. It, yeah, they're all ha- horrible people and monsters, but Stutzstaffel is a fun word to say. That's how they got you at the first, <laughs> at the beginning. That's how they got people. That's true. Lured them in. Yeah. yeah. Welcome to the Stutzstaffel. Here's yeah. your gun. Now kill someone. Wait, what? <laughs> right? Welcome to the Stutzstaffel. It's so fun, yeah? Woo! Now kill someone. Yeah, nine. so just kill anyone? Nine, nine. 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 Quite the contrary. <laughs> Gosh. So now... Old Yosef here, he's got himself a degree. He's got himself some work under his belt. He's got himself a cracking new uniform covered in skulls. It's time to go meet the ladies. And he does. 1939, he marries Irene Schoenbein. And in 1940, he was drafted into the army, thereafter volunteering into the SS Medical Service. Now that is a hell of a thing, too. He joined the SS prior to military service. Yeah. That's some true believer there. Yeah. He was... He was a hideous history monster before it was cool. <laughs> so, got it on the ground floor. He really did. So the SS, to clarify for me and anyone else who, who may need it, the SS wasn't part of the military. They were no, a- the, the SS was a um, not a part of the military. It was like a uh, it was an organization that Adolf Hitler ran uh, along with the National Socialist German Workers Party. So it was like a like a paramilitary organization. They, it didn't come in the the German National Army was the Wehrmacht, right? And and they were separate. Now, obviously, a lot of crossover. I, I was trying to think of what an American equivalent is of like, okay, well, this group isn't the army, but there's lots of people. And I at first was going to say the NRA, but I'm not going to go on the record as pff, saying the SS and the NRA. I'm no, I, I'm just, I was just trying to think of an organization that has lots of members. You know what I mean? That isn't. So, so they were sort of his own military, but not the country's military. They were like a, a bunch of nationalistic doomsday prepper militia guys. Oh, okay. They, were, they, were, they, they acquitted themselves in a military style, but they were actually part of this more, more of a political group, this workers party. I see. Okay. Now, uh, scant documentation exists on his time there before 1943. But it's pretty well surmised he first functioned as a medical expert for the Race and Settlement Main Office uh, in summer 1940 at the Central Immigration Office Northeast in Posen, which is today Poznan. Uh, in 1941, he served in the military uh, stationed in Ukraine. And then in 1942, he served as a medical officer with the SS Division Viking, where he rescued two soldiers from a burning tank and was decorated for his service. He was later wounded in battle and no longer eligible for active service. 
So now, now that he's seen some shit, uh, he returned to January. He returned to, to returned to January in Germany of 1943. He returned to Germany in January of 1943 and started to work at the Kaiser Wilhelm Institute for Anthropology, Human Genetics, and Eugenics. <sighs> Surpriser with Kaiser. <laughs> wow. There you go. <laughs> uh, uh, directed by his former mentor, Von Verschur. After that, he was uh, promoted to captain. And uh, Von Verscher told him to apply to be a medical officer in the concentration camp service, more than likely because these guys shared a lot of ideology so that he would have access to all the specimens you could want if right. you're going to do horrible tests on human beings. Right. Um, he was accepted and appointed uh, as the chief physician of the, oh, here we go. <sighs> okay. Zaguner Familienlager, which is uh, the Romani family camp uh, located at subcamp at Birkenau. Now, um, obviously, when people think the Holocaust, they think about the, the Nazi rounding up top of the list Jewish people. Right. But included in that were any undesirables. The, uh, the Roma people were very hard hit by this. Yeah. Uh, as were you might know them uh, in their culturally insensitive term, the gypsies. Yeah, but you're still allowed to say it if you're singing along with Cher. It's just like rap lyrics, dude. Legally binding. There's a loophole. <laughs> Who else? Uh, if you're gay, you're in serious trouble. Anyone with uh, disability. Yeah. Dwarves. Uh, anyone... Yep. Dwarves. Uh, I've got a section on that. Okay. Uh, honestly, anyone who stood out. And he, like, it was just, I mean, it was used politically as well. Mm -hmm. Um, if everything about you is physically fine, but somebody really needs you out of the way, this is a great way to do, to do that. And that has been playing out in history since the dawn of two people putting their huts next to each other. <laughs> um, true. so yeah, so there, so that's, uh, I don't know, a little diatribe there. Here's some other facts that I was going to say fun facts, but none of the facts are fun at all. Uh, Auschwitz was located in southern Poland and was constructed to hold Polish political prisoners. Uh, it was built in May of 1940. Did you know it was in Poland? No, I, I didn't. didn't either. No, I thought it was in Germany. Yeah. Then the camp was expanded in 42 uh, to include Birkenau, which was designed for 50,000 forced laborers, but eventually was pushed up over 200,000 uh, people for a labor slash extermination camp. Uh, a subcamp was set up for prisoners of Romani descent, and a third camp at Monowitz was set up in 1942 where laborers were uh, worked to death. Um, yeah. It was designed to produce rubber, but they never had any of the material constituents, Yeah, so they just worked people to death. Right. Uh, Mengele was a member of the team of doctors who selected victims just right off the trains uh, to either become laborers or to just get killed right then and there. Yeah. Uh, survivors told of Mengele undertaking this duty, even when he wasn't supposed to, in order to search for subjects for his experimentations. Uh, as was common for SS doctors in the camp, Mengele enlisted the aid of trained medical professionals among the prisoner population to perform the more grisly or boring or mundane tasks and carry out, uh, to carry out autopsies on the dead victims. One of the reasons we know so much about this is because of uh, Dr. Miklos Nisli. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh N Y I S Z L I Nisli. Nisli. Uh a Hungarian prisoner who was also a doctor who assisted Mengele under duress and then published uh all of his experiences in nineteen forty six. So yeah. that's that's one of the reasons we know. Can you uh I mean 
let's just get this out of the way. The entire, this entire episode is going to be under the blanket of God. Can you imagine that? Right. Right. But, uh, it's crazy that the guy survived. I mean, it's crazy that anybody survived, but yeah. like the guy's Rinfield, his, his, yeah. to his Dracula. Yeah. Actually doesn't go insane and, and manages to write about his experiences. So in, in 1944, he had a son, Rolf. It was his only child that he ever had. Probably hoping for twins. And in January 1945, the Soviet army advanced through Western Poland and Mingala fled Auschwitz. He spent the next few weeks at the Gross Rosen concentration camp until its evacuation and then made his way west to evade capture by the Soviets, which mm-hmm. they were scared shitless of getting captured by uh, the Soviets. Oh, yeah, because the Soviets, they were just terrifying. They lost millions yeah. in that war because they were just going to keep throwing people at this problem. And yeah. the, the Soviets had, let's, they were real fed up with the Germans. They'd had it up to here oh, yeah. with the fucking Germans. Have you seen that infographic of, it's not an infographic, it's, it's a picture. I don't know why I said infographic. Well, it seemed more impressive. I know. Mm. It, it's, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's a picture of like uh, a velociraptor with a, with a swastika on, on its shoulder and then like a Tyrannosaurus with like the American flag on its side. And then like, um, let me stop you right now. No, I have oh, not seen, seen this picture of n- Nazi Raptors. It might've been, it might not have been a, a Raptor that the Nazi was, but there's like a hundred smaller Raptors or, or like mini T-Rexes or something that Allosaurus have, could have been an Allosaur that have the uh, hammer and sickle on, on the side of them. And it's meant to show, like, yeah, America wasn't the one thing that stopped the oh, Nazis. Oh, God, no. It was all of, of yeah. the Soviets just no, yeah, that's washing the thing. over the, them. The, the U.S. and Britain and the Allied powers were able to stop Germany, Germany because while they're, like, shooting guns on the western side, mm-hmm. on the eastern side, there is just, just giant rotating circular saw blade labeled the USSR <laughs> that was just moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that that diverted a lot of attention yeah yep can't fight a battle on two friends and that's i mean and, and even now you'll look back at that i mean like hitler came pretty close to winning there he, were some we caught some some big breaks in that sure, war like any war yeah like like anything but to think the number of countries allied against one country and still have it be like a oh yeah. close even <laughs> if you take into to consideration the axis powers right Mm. Still, that's a lot against yeah. against a few. So anyway, yeah. Here's two guys who don't know anything about history talking about it. <laughs> they were scared. Sorry, Ken. Scared of uh, of getting eaten. Up. He was scared of getting eaten up by them. In February, he fled again, which just managed to miss Soviet Soviet liberation uh, by a week, and then fell into the hands of Lady Liberty. <laughs> Some Americans captured him as a POW. Unaware, though, that Mingala's name already stood on a list of wanted war criminals, U.S. officials quickly released him, which is pretty amazing. And, and the reason this happened, the reason they couldn't tell that he was an SS officer is because SS officers would get a tattoo, uh, I think on the inside of their arm, that told what blood type they were. So huh. in case they got, found, they got injured and found and needed blood or, or something, that was a way that you could immediately 
uh, discern what, huh. what they needed. I did not know that. Yeah, and the thing is, even though he was a lifetime SS member, pretty much, he didn't get a tattoo. Oh, so he's like a daywalker. Yeah, yeah. He just slipped right by. So he was like, "No, I'm I'm Hans Gruber. I work at the farm over here in Nakatomi." Uh, oh God, <laughs> Plaza. God, don't shoot me. Oh God. <laughs> Alan Rickman's groveling American will stand as one of the finest moments of acting in the history of acting. Oh, God, don't shoot me. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Now, from the summer of 1945 until uh, the spring of 1949, he worked under false papers as a farmhand near Rosenheim, Bavaria. So he, he he may have been going under Hans Gruber. He wasn't going under Hans Gruber. But <laughs> yeah, that's a long time to like play four it years. Now I, I know I just want to make this clear right now. Yes, we just blasted past a lot of stuff. We're uh-huh. coming back to it. Yeah. We're just kind of establishing the timeline of his life because man, once we get into what happened in the camps, we're not coming back. So Yeah. Uh then in uh April of forty nine, with the help of his prosperous family and a network of former SS members. He emigrated to South America under the alias Helmut Gregor. Wow. German, German schnitz. <laughs> That's right. Helmut. He's a Helmut. disgrace to the name. <laughs> his wife refused to go with him, and uh, he ended up in, uh, his, and he was like, all right, deuces. <laughs> yep. He ended up in Buenos Aires, Argentina, and ran into a ton right, ran into a ton of old friends, because a lot of Nazis- fled to Argentina. Yeah. Yeah. Um, most notably because the Juan Domingo Perón regime was very friendly to them. Uh, Mengele even met the president uh, on more than one occasion. Uh, while he was there, he worked as a carpenter and a salesman and also may have done a little backdoor medicine. Yep. Yeah. And uh, you know what? You know what Argentina did not do? What? Cry for him. Oh, God. You walked me right into that. <laughs> He was uh, canoodling with Madonna herself, oh. Antonio Banderas. <laughs> I thought that was Sergeant Garcia. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> so in 1954, Irene had had enough of I don't I don't know. Yeah, uh, everything. Uh, yeah, <laughs> she was like, "See ya, uh, divorce time." I was okay with you being a hideous monster of a non-human. I guess, but the absence. Uh, I don't feel like you're ever coming back, Helmut. If that is your real name, it's not. It's not. It's Hans. 1956, evidently, having grown balls the size of coconuts, he got an Argentine foreign residence permit and a West German passport under his real name. Wait, no, that's a real name. And traveled back to Europe. So, he's like, oh, it's been like seven years. Who remembers that anymore? (laughs) (laughs) The... I, the, the, I don't know. It turns me full Tom Cruise. The statute of limitations on burglary is longer than that. <laughs> well, while he was in Europe, he met Rolf, and, and apparently he didn't tell him that he was his father. He said he was his uncle, his son, Rolf. Right, yeah. And not, he, not the Muppet dog who plays the piano. <laughs> and he stayed with his widowed sister-in-law, Martha, for a week. And then he returned to Argentina, and lo and behold, Martha came a-following him a month later. Apparently, he made a good impression on her. Wow. So, his brother's wife. Yeah, his brother dead died. brother's yeah. wife. Okay. Just putting it all together. And her son. Their son. 
who is not Rolf, but I think yeah. his name's Carl. In 1958, he and Martha married, and he was apparently practicing medicine as an abortionist without a license at this time. Again, maybe a backdoor thing, nothing real yeah. up front. Well, also, at the time, I don't know if there was a lot of front door abortionists. True. You know, True. especially in a predominantly Catholic country. Uh, yeah, good call. And um, I've seen one place that said he may have been practicing uh, veterinary mes- medicine as well. Why, why not? It beats carpentry, I suppose. But he got worried someone would find out about his, I don't know, past life. Yeah, it, 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 the, the, key to, the key to covering your tracks is to not get passports under your name. And so he fled to Paraguay and took up residence under the name, get this, Dave, Jose Mingala. <laughs> did he get like a comic mustache? Yes, of course he did. And a poncho, <laughs> poncho. and a sombrero. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Wait, no, I'm not Joseph Mingala. <laughs> That's silly. I am Jose Mingala. <laughs> Mine amo Jose. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, everybody. We're of course we're not making light of a tragedy that occurred in in history, but this guy is ridiculous. Yeah, and, and he deserves all of the. Yeah, the exactly. Ass I'm not going to pass any opportunities to piss in this guy. <laughs> Wait, piss on this guy, pissing in him. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it was around this time. Part of the reason he he started getting worried and and started moving a lot more is that um, Eichmann. Got caught, right? Adolf Eichmann, one of the biggest assholes that that escaped Germany when when everything went to hell for them. There, actually, I have an account here. Um, so Israel at this point is tracking. They have Nazi hunters. Yep. Um, one of which, Christopher um, Eccleston. No, who's the Lambert D- D- Count Duku Lee? Yeah, I- including actor. And recently departed amazing actor Christopher Lee. Excuse me. Sir. Sir Christopher, Christopher Lee. Lee, Nazi hunter. Wow. Yeah. This guy never fed around. There's a, <laughs> life. a there's a fun little anecdote on the from the set of uh Lord of the Rings where they where somebody runs up and stabs somebody in the back and the guy's like, Oh and he goes, No, 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 that's not the sound a guy makes when you stab him in the back. <laughs> and they were all like and he just told him, he's like, No, I not how it worked and they were just like jesus god (laughs) (laughs) no i've trust me (laughs) (laughs) so uh the the actual Mossad agent was a guy named rafi iton was was christopher lee working for like mi6 or was he i don't know that part i just know it tangentially i don't know like his whole life story but i know that he did hunt nazis hunted nazis wow um was it mi5 at the time i i there's there i think they both exist but they're different but i don't Again, like CIA, FBI kind of thing? I think, but I don't really know. I'm British just guessing. friends help us out. Yeah. Hey, guys. Hi. Uh, cheerio. Spot of tea. Bother, bother, bother. So the, uh, the Mossad, boom, they're already in South America where they were working um, on arresting uh, Adolf Eichmann. Then they got, they got word that Mengele was back in Buenos Aires. And so they were like, all right. So they, they checked that out and they were like, yep, there he is. But they only had 11 agents. Their target was Adolf Eichmann. And so they, they got him, arrested him, and they had him in a safe house. And then the Mossad calls up and says, hey, while you're at the store, could you pick us up a bag of Mangala? <laughs> the Mangala at home's gone bad. Yeah. <laughs> it's got a real bad stench. Yeah. Um, 
Mac and Mango. So, <laughs> so they stake out his house, and they're like, "Hey, he he left the house." Talk about Mangala. Yeah, Mangala had left his house because they had it staked out. Now there's all this discussion between the Mossad agents in Argentina and the Home Office. Home Office is like, "We'll just wait. He's got to come back." And they're like, "Listen, we've got Eichmann." Yeah. The longer we keep this guy cooling, the weirder shit's going to get. Can we can we keep the bird in the hand, please? Yeah, yeah. And so they ultimately do. They they make sure to get uh, Eichmann back. And then when they go back for Mangala. <laughs> Too late. Yep, yep. They missed their shot. Well, they probably played it the right way. Yeah. In, in the end. Eichmann ultimately, obviously, was executed. Yes, he was convicted of war crimes and... I mean, famously, I think, and he's the one who was like, "No, I was, I was just following orders." Yeah. Right. So yeah, he was the the forty seven millionth guy in history to use that excuse. But that's what they were trying to do to Mingla. And actually, there was a lot of paperwork to go through to to even do this. You can't just swoop in, grab a dude, and and take him to Nuremberg. You, you can, but there's there's a whole world yeah. of red tape right. to to cross through. And in fact extradition papers were sent to Argentina and they were like, sorry, buddy. We don't know anybody uh, at this address. Yeah. We know a Jose Mengele, but (laughs) no say, hombre. Um, Even West Germany who had issued him a passport. That's our Germany. That was the fun free wheeling Germany. The one that would talk to us. (laughs) Not four years ago, issuing a passport for him. Uh, offered an award for him and uh, reward or an yeah. award. <laughs> Why I did that last episode too? You get a parsec if you can bring him in. <laughs> so apparently, the only way to get one. <laughs> you got to hunt not down even a, then, a, dude. It's he, not. It doesn't have anything to do with space. You got to hunt a war criminal <laughs> in space. In space. Thank you. <laughs> um, no, a reward. They offered a reward. A reward. God. I'm sorry. I'm. I haven't been drinking. They already know. warded him once, <laughs> and uh, and that's when he took off to Brazil. Well, Martha, his now wife, and her son Carl did not follow him, and were like, "Peace out, back to Deutschland." Yeah, for us. Um, I don't. I never heard what happened to them after that. They just I'm sort pretty of. Pretty sure they kept their heads the f- down. Maybe. Yeah. Well, in 1963, his identity was discovered. He was uh, he was tooling around Brazil, but he managed to stay under the radar through apparently through threats and and bureaucracy within the agencies that were tracking him. I guess there was more. They they were like stretched too thin, couldn't go after him, something like that. Like you were saying, like we have yeah. agents, but they're committed to something else right now. And then and then he this was isn't like, the Nazi you're looking for. It's pretty much yeah, and and the people that he was either staying with or or renting from or whatever, they were like, oh my god, you're a Nazi, and he's like. Yeah, do you want to go around telling everybody that and have a real problem on your yeah, hands? Because it's going to be just a real <laughs> or, big problem. Or are you going to I don't know. Shut like, up. I almost wonder, too, though, like, yes, threats, tons of them. But I'll, I'd will i be willing to bet that there was also, if he's practicing illicit uh, medicine, you know, he's making illicit connections. And I'll bet you that's part of how, part of how he's moving around. Yeah. Um, you know, how he's getting, you know, and even to this day, everything's for sale. You know, oh, you can, yeah. you can bribe officials. You can, you know, well, it was, it was, I mean, the, the SS network back then was probably the dark web of the time. Right. Anyways, he moved around spots in, in Brazil until 1976 when he suffered a stroke while swimming 
and drowned. Lame. At, at the time, he was going under the name Wolfgang Gerhard. I'd like to imagine that one of those South American fish went right up his pee hole right before he died. He was like, ah! <laughs> one can only hope. Listen, I'm a simple man, and I just want the genitals of my enemies to be assaulted. And some of my friends. I don't like that glazed over <laughs> look at his head. So that's that's the timeline of old uh, um, Mingala. Yeah, from beginning from to, to end. Mingle Z. Oh, no. gotcha. Uh, now we're gonna talk a little bit about why he is such a, a charbroiled dingle sniffer. So, so on to the experiments. This is where the legend of Mingala takes shape. There are a few caveats to lay down before we get into what has been said about him and his actions. First. They're all lies because people are jealous about how smart he is. Most information that we have on him comes from anecdotal accounts. Stories uh, from survivors and Dr. Niesley uh, frame our understanding, and unfortunately also some of the misconceptions. Mm-hmm. And it's tough always when what the most of the things that you have to go on are anecdotes right. and yeah. other stories. If there's only one good source for a piece of history, you, you have to take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. The one good thing you can uh, take away from this is that there are a lot of anecdotes. It's good and bad, but if you've got a lot of people saying similar things... True. Yeah. It lends a little little more credibility. Um, a little more heft. While he personally tried saving at least two boxes of records from his experiments, the vast majority were destroyed by the SS just before liberation of the camp. And those two boxes were then given to a nurse while he was on the run before being captured by the U.S., uh, and then I wasn't able to find out what happened to those boxes after that. Maybe they still exist. They up and, up and disappear like a fart in the wind. Maybe they do. You know, it could be in somebody's attic somewhere. God, yeah. They're finding stuff like that all They're the time. They're just like, ugh, so. boring medical papers. Ugh. Yikes. Although I guess uh, his diary made it through and, and was sold at an auction not long ago. Anyway, um, another thing to remember is that uh, he was never the head doctor over Auschwitz, and that sometimes gets right. jumbled in the facts. He um, was of Birkenau, which was only a smaller camp, and then it got subsumed into the larger camp. Yeah, he was chief at the the Roma uh, sub-camp, right. and then he was one of the doctors of Auschwitz, just basically. So, uh, Mingala has been described as being very handsome, very clean-cut, and uh, greeting prisoners on the ramps from the trains in immaculate uniform. Prisoners sometimes described him as very Aryan-looking or tall and blonde when he was actually of medium height with dark hair and a dark complexion. Inmates said Mengele conveyed the impression of a gentle and cultured man and spoke of the cheerful expression on his face, almost like he had fun. But he was said to have dead eyes. Like a doll's eyes. Back, calmly motioning with a hand to decide these people's fates, death to the left, to the right, uh, possibly whistling arias while he did so. Again, this is all uh, survivor tales and accounts. Yeah, you know, this is kind of pieced together from lots of different people. Nothing one hundred percent factual here. His temperament is a is a source of contention in a lot of the records that we have. Trying to piece together like the type of person he was, right? What made him the thing that he was? Yeah, and. There are some uh, theories that, that in looking at his temperament, he had lots of, of mood swings from very just righteously angry to very calm and, and even comforting to some you know degree. 
which which leads some people to think that maybe he had some bipolar disorder in there. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, there, there's the whole experimentation uh, that he was doing as well, which also leads some people to theorize, well, he was just a good old-fashioned sociopath, that he did it, he was devoid of empathy for uh, anything, and this caused him to to experiment a way that, that he yeah. had no filter on what was possible. Yeah, right. And it could just be that he was acting in a pleasant manner because it made his work go easier, mm-hmm. made people more inclined to do what he was saying or, or not suspect what he was about to do. Yeah, could be. Now, uh, he would apparently engender comfort in children by talking to them sometimes and even handing out sweets. He established a kindergarten for children of his experiments and called himself Uncle Mingala. But one survivor related, quote, he was capable of being so kind to the children to have them become fond of him, to bring them sugar, to think of small details in their daily lives, and to do things we would genuinely admire. And then, next to that, the crematoria smoke, and these children, tomorrow or in a half hour, he's going to send them there. Well, that's where the anomaly lay, end quote. Even with this calm outward demeanor, a different personality showed from time to time. One story tells of a mother who refused to be separated from her teenage daughter and scratched the face of the SS trooper who tried to enforce Mingala's decision. Mingala drew his gun and shot both the woman and her child. Still raging, he ordered that all the people from that transport, whom he had previously selected as workers, be sent to the gas chamber. If he didn't get his way or was challenged at all, he would apparently fly into fits of rage. Ugh. His experimentation included a ton of different tests uh, that would just uh, observe how the, I mean, for example, how the body reacted to like uh, temperature extremes, uh-huh. um, hereditary trait manipulation, um, and as we've already talked about a little bit here, uh, his fascinations with twins, um, which stemmed from his time with von Verschauer, who experimented with identical, with identical and fraternal twins in order to trace the genetic origins of various diseases. I mean, at this point, you, they're 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 just victims. They're not even, ex- you know, these aren't experiments. These are just, this is, this it's, is just creative torture. torture. Yeah. Um, things that he did, he would put people into pressure chambers. Sometimes he would just test them with drugs, but even the drug testing was not control. I mean, he, he understood what real science was. He understood how to do it. Uh, but he, he didn't follow strict protocols. He just put like an undetermined, and again, this is uh, speculation or anything, but he would, people would report that he wouldn't even accurately measure out what he would inject people with. Hmm. He would just get some, put it in this guy, get some other stuff, put it in that guy. It was like a kid pulling the wings off a fly, but him calling it medical science. He was just kind of doing stuff to see what happened. Part of the reason he had twins was that the thought was that one could be a control while the other would be the variable that he tested on. Yep. Other things he would do, he would castrate people. Uh, Sometimes he would freeze people to death. Sometimes children were exposed to experimental surgeries performed without anesthesia, um, or they would transfuse blood from one to the other. Sometimes he would uh, test uh, their endurance for isolation or just reactions to various stimuli. I mean, I mean, when I say various, pain, temperature, hunger, sleep, proximity to other people, noise, yeah. uh, just whatever popped into his sad, sad head, he would try it out. Uh, I mean, so he would inject people with least with lethal, uh, contagions. Sometimes he would perform sex change operations. Sometimes he would remove organs or limbs and sew them together. 
I read an account a few years ago that, and I don't think this was Mangala, but like people trying to sew their mouth to someone's anus. Really? No, dude, that's human centipede. I know. I just didn't know if they oh. did. This guy didn't leave Sorry. much off Sorry, the dartboard. But uh, there was some, I read something about people trying to like transplant animal parts onto people, like real, but, which usually oh. could be just horror story. Oh, gym, like, gym. The, uh, like the, like the, the human and, chimpanzee army or something. Yeah. That's, that's a completely different thing than this, isn't it? I, I, yeah. Uh, anyway. Humanzies. Uh, humanzies. Uh, maybe someday. I don't know how much there is there. Um, some of the other experiments were high altitude endurance tests. That's Inc- where the pressure chamber comes yep. in. Exactly. In incendiary bomb experiments. Wonder how that turned out. Uh, he did some, uh, seawater potability, just letting people die of, uh, that, uh, malaria testing, mustard gas work, sulfinamide, uh, typhus tests. Uh, and then, you know, as we said to him, whatever chemicals or poisons he felt like yeah. throwing out there. He had a, a, a secondary fascination. I, I call it a secondary fascination just because it's another it like, area of morbid interest. Yeah. Uh, there was a lot that he did with eyes and sought out inmates with a condition known as heterochromia of the iris, which is when the, the two eyes are of different colors. After their death, he'd send their eyes to his old professor, Verscher, at the Berlin Dahlem Institute of Racial Biology. That guy got around. Yeah. He went to a lot of institutes yeah that guy's like the emperor to his little darth vader it's true yeah, yeah you're right with some subjects or victims he he attempted to change eye color uh in them to blue by injecting methylene blue into the brown eyes of blonde inmate children so the kids had brown eyes he injected chemicals into their eyes to try and change them blue yeah methylene blue anyone who's ever had like a my first scientist microscope kit they all come with methylene blue. It's a really common dye for uh, organic cells. You, it's how you see the cell walls in an m- onion membrane or something oh. like that. Like methylene blue is like the, the welcome to science. This is how you dye a tissue sample. Wow. Well, this often caused severe pain, infections, and temporary or permanent blindness. Yeah. One, one survivor, there's, you know, there's a, a, quite a few videos of survivors' accounts and one of them had a survivor talking of uh, a time that she walked into his lab and there was just, just a wall of eyeballs from the countless victims that, that he experimented on. And, you know, uh, obviously right. that just sticks with you. Right. Now, You're not going to forget the wall of eyes. I, um, I, I, I'll, I'll take a real quick second. Speaking of, of videos to watch, there was an in search of that dealt with, with Leonard Nimoy. Yeah. That, that uh, was about Chicken out the jams. And then, and then there was a, a a British show, and I forget I forget the name of it. Forgive me. There was it, it was a kind of like an investigative journalism, Flora? kind of thing. Laura, I forgive you. Thank you. And uh, what was crazy about both of them? They went to South America. It was still during the time he was alive. They went to try and like either track him down or see if they could they could talk to somebody that that would lead them. You know, and they even had to hide a camera in a bag and, and like do gotcha kind of journalism yeah. stuff. They, they put the bag on a table and filmed people from afar because at that time, That's you know, pretty you, ballsy. You can't, you can't film stuff. They wouldn't let them film. And they, they kept saying like our crews weren't able to film. So we did it anyway, kind of thing. But, uh, isn't that, isn't it nuts? Yeah. That, that's, that's a Bigfoot hunt where you know that Bigfoot's there. 
You just got to find them. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which, now, is, which is just like a regular Bigfoot hunt, right? This is where we stop and we say, unfortunately, the experiments go on. Right. This, this is kind of the tip of the iceberg for what he did to people. Uh, and we're going to spare you from the rest of it. Most, any of the links that I'm going to be putting in the show notes will detail out more if you're so inclined to uh, go see what else this magnificent uh, asshole did to other humans. Yeah, I mean, he keep, wasn't even human. I, I can't even say other humans. Yeah, keep in mind, this guy was at these camps for over two years. Camps where there are trains arriving daily of people. Yep. You can get a lot of horrible shit done in that much time, and he most certainly did. Yeah, and it's estimated that at least 3,000 twins were subjected to his experiments, and of those, maybe 250 survived. Ugh. It's also thought he was directly responsible for about 23,000 deaths, with some estimates of up to 400,000 becoming victims with a simple wave of his hand, right or left. Blech. So that, that's where you get the, the old nickname Angel of Death. Yeah. He's, he's standing there very pleasantly pleasantly, and, and looking put together and, and shiny. And, well, and, and enjoying, you know, even with that other story, he's enjoying the position of power and he is dressing to maximize that effect. Yeah. And, and with like the story you're telling, when anyone sought to contradict his power or refuse his command, they were dealt with instant flip out. Yeah. So now, uh, by now you probably see the link between Mingala twins and Brazil. Mm-hmm. Here's the claim that's, that's made a remote Brazilian town is filled with blonde haired, blue eyed twins. And this is apparently direct evidence of Mingala's post-war attempts to engineer an Aryan master race based on what he learned from his experiments in Auschwitz. So, is there truth to that? No. I don't know. Yes. Maybe. Candido Godoy. And please, uh, any of our Brazilian listeners, I know you're out there. See, si, Poppy. Correct me if I'm know. wrong. What's the Portuguese equivalent of that? See, si, Poppy. <laughs> Poppy. <laughs> um, correct me if I'm saying Candido Godoy wrong. A, it's a small rural town in southern Brazil has a rate of twin births that is 10 times higher than normal. Convenient that this is not far from the area which the Nazi doctor escaped to. Nine? Well, it turns out, yes, it is convenient. Now, with a few considerations, this happens to point to coincidence more than subversive science. First, Candido Godoy was founded in large part by German immigrants. Apparently, these founders included something like 17 pairs of twins, which is pretty crazy in any day and age. Right. Uh, with a small, isolated population, high twin birth rates, high twin birth rates isn't that big of a stretch of the imagination. No, I think everyone knows that there is a, you know, if you've got twins in the family, that matters. Yeah. It's, it's uh, hereditary. It's genetic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the rates here, the rates in Condado Godoy are, are comparable to other such examples in the world as well. There's a, there a places in Nigeria and Romania, for example. And as such, uh, there was no real change in these birth rates during the 60s when Mengele was near. If you look at the baptismal records of the town, the rate was pretty constant since the 20s, even up through today. And and also, there's no real evidence of Mengele visiting the town. Oh. 
Also, he was never there. <laughs> I feel like that's a pretty good indicator. I mean, not that not that we know of, not that we true. can prove. And you know, as Tell for me like to keep it on the DL. I mean, it's true. I, I, as for experimentation, if he was running any kind of experiments in South America, if he was trying to further his sadistic uh, glee of, of cutting people up and sewing them together and stuff, we we don't know one way or the other. Right. There's there's not really any good evidence that he was doing it. And then conversely, there's not any evidence that he wasn't, but, you know, prove a negative. Right. Try it. Also, just to throw it out there, there, there wasn't any DNA experimentation that was done at Auschwitz. You know, we, we said genetic here and there, and he was involved in some genetic research, but it's not genetics on the DNA level. No, he was doing, uh, what he was looking at is Mendelian genetics. Yeah. Um, you know, oh, if I breed these two things, will I get something like that? I mean, considering that the the structure of DNA wasn't even known until 53. Right. So. Exactly. Watson, quick. uh, Yeah, they made a human milkshake (laughs) with a slide for fun. Gary Steinman, a twinning expert at Long Island Jewish Medical Center, uh, he's, 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 he knows his stuff about twins. That's, that's what a twinning expert is. He said, quote, it was not even known to anyone what the genetic code was at the time, let alone the ability to alter genes, which would have been necessary to carry over the twinning trait to future generations. The film, the boys from Brazil did a lot to further the legend of Mingala and the Brazilian twins, yeah. but, uh, apparently it, it had a lot to, had a lot of the lore of these Brazilian twins being the work of Mingala. So in the end, a bit of, bit of a summary, Mingala had nothing to do with this uh, Brazilian town of, of mega twin birth. <laughs> Me- mega twin. Twinning. Yeah. Nine. Oh yeah. <laughs> Nine. Nine. Helmut. Nine. But did he do tons of absolutely abysmal things to innocent people? Absolutely. Auschwitz. Yes. And, and the, the preponderance I, of evidence points to yes. The, the reason of why anecdotal I, evidence, it's well, the, the thing that, that I think is most important is that when you, you know, like the, the boys from Brazil or this, the, these towns with twins that, that they say that he was involved in, it implies that he learned something from all that, that he was privy to some knowledge that we even now don't have. And that's false. He was just torturing and killing people and not learning anything from it. We didn't get any further. There was no knowledge gained. He was just killing people in a manner that allowed him to play scientist. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that's to me, that's a big takeaway that he didn't, um, he didn't go on to like further his research, which was paramount to him. He was, he he was a farmhand for four years after that. This guy was not a scientific genius. He was just a, a, a torturer that, you know, had, he, he went to school, he knew some stuff, but he wasn't like, um, I don't know. I keep kind of thinking it in terms of like Hydra and Marvel, you know, like if this was a, this guy would not have been the guy to figure out how to make 500 red skulls. Mm-hmm. You know, this guy was not a genius. He didn't have some inner tractor. He wasn't some super smart guy. He was just a dipshit torturer who had had some medical training and not even a lot of medical training. They kind of confirmed a degree onto him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, a degree from a racial hygiene Institute. Right. 
So, you know, keep like all those things matter. So guys are just giant sack of shit. Uh, yeah. I mean, bottom line, I, I think you can corroborate some of these claims via his diary, which I, I believe they've confirmed is legit. I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure that his diary is his diary that, that was sold. And, um, and then with so many people, and this is something I was telling Dave earlier in, in the research, I found, uh, you know, numerous videos, like I was saying, the in search of the journals, the journalism show. And then there was, I, I stumbled on one that was like all the lies about Joseph Mingala. And it was just a, a 40 minute documentary by some dipshit Holocaust denier who was like, none of the information on this adds up. This is all manufactured and it's manufactured because they want a, a Holocaust industry. They want to make money on the fact that they're victims. And it's like, good God, how can somebody be, I mean, this is, this is how people were tortured like that. Right. Just you, 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 you distance yourself from reality or something. I, I don't know. Yeah. It, it, you, you, there has to be a disassociation. Yeah. That. There just has to be. This, this is one of the things where I approach things knowing that it's it's probably gray for a lot of things. There's not a lot of things in this world that are black and white. Sure. This is pretty black and white. And the people that approach it and say it's gray, I, I, I can't fathom it. You know what I mean? I, yeah. I, I don't understand how you can be a Holocaust denier. No. Well, that's, that's you know, the the people who do that, they they... It's, it's like anything else. It's like being a, a climate change denier. It's a belief system and it requires faith and they will take, they will ignore, you know, it's a flatter it's thing. It's a confirmation bias. Yeah. The, you'll the, ignore the 12 tons of data and then pick up the one grain of sand and be like, do you see this? It doesn't quite fit. You're right. I'm right. And you said last week in last week's episode, they're the people that need to know something that other people don't know. Yeah. They have this need to be on the inside uh, track to to un- have uncovered something, and all you other idiots out there are just getting fooled. Yep, I think that that's a good point to to. But anyway, yeah, there there are some holes you can fall down in in this research. God, yes, uh, and it's sad and pretty pathetic. And you know what? Maybe some of these stories are are false. I can't put myself in the shoes of of the people that suffered through this i can't even imagine what what it was like and so maybe there were a couple things that were misremembered like we were saying in the one thing they thought he was tall and blonde right the perfect directed that that authoritarian yeah but um with all the accounts that come out and even his right hand man that that was the the prisoner assistant i don't i don't think you can make all that up and no there's, why, there's, why would you when there's enough going on, you know? Right. I don't know. It, it, maybe I'm throwing out the wrong questions, but. No, this, people are dipshits. <laughs> people, people are just wit dipshits. That's yeah. Dave Stecco at Blurry Photos. Is that how that works? I don't know how that works. I don't they, know. People can find you. Yeah. <laughs> Leave it to them, man. No, I agree. Like, the scariest part of, of anything that we do, history, mystery, Sistery, dysentery, paranormal, folklore, UFOs, like the scariest to me is right here in front of us. Yep. It is. People are the the, worst. It it is somebody that could be walking 
next to you or sitting passing you on the street or sitting next to you on the bus. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's the, the thing is, is that's, that's, that's the, that's the times we're living in now. Well, before we get any heavier. Right? Yeah, exactly. Let's, Good let's, gravy God. Let's go on and uh, <laughs> gravy God. I don't know. What God do you pray for? <laughs> Spaghetti monster. <laughs> right. What's the difference? <laughs> Although. Your, is, your gravy God there, created way, communion wafers was, that were terrible. I was going to say, if there is a gravy God, <laughs> then he's got one commandment and it's make thee not a candy in my image. <laughs> <laughs> for this is abomination and ye shall be judged well that is uh that is joseph mingla for you in a, a very atrocious just say nutshell brazilian, brazilian uh, twin, twin nutshell brazilian nutshell brazilian brazilian yeah, brazilian man so dave and i are going to do puns yeah but they're going to be geared towards who cares fun of this dipshit yeah we're doing we're doing rage puns <laughs> puns <laughs> I'll kick it off. Yeah, please do. Uh, did you know that um, one of uh, his most hideous creations, once he fled the country, he actually created several twins, uh, about six of them, and sent them back to Europe and Germany as a as a quiet time bomb that detonated then in the late 90s, <laughs> um, acoustically torturing an entire continent and eventually spread to the United States. They were the Menga Boys. <laughs> I even had this ready. <laughs> Acoustic torture. Oh my gosh. Now it's Six Hags, Cryptid Kingdom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, what is the actual name of the group? Venga Boys. Oh, wow, deep cut. It was really deep cut. Real hateful wow. deep cut. Ugh. All right, well, I've got a terrible second-rate doctor uh-huh. who could search for answers but didn't find everything like mm-hmm. bigger, better doctors could. Yeah. It was Joseph Bingala. Just Bingle it. Bingle? Bing. Bing, bing, bing search. Whew, Johnny Robots is going to hate you for that. <laughs> <laughs> just Bingle it. One of the great-grandchildren of Joseph was that, to, to, just so that everyone knows how far the Mengala name has fallen, because uh, because it didn't start out very high, um, is actually an East German amateur porn star by the name of Brosif Bangala. <laughs> yeah, you got one more. Yeah, yeah, I do. Sorry, just Brosif Brosif Bangala. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Creepy. I've got a creepy doctor that reads message boards and visits photo sites of twins, Weird. hangs out at playgrounds, and just watches kids. It's Joseph Minga Lurker. <laughs> oh, he's a lurker. Them's puns. Them's puns. That's now, how you do it. Uh, real quick, uh, th- that that little palate cleansing lozenge we told you about, Dave. Oh yeah. Tell them tell them about this video they can watch to get their mind off horrible horrible things. I found this thing. It was literally a comment on something else. It's just this Asian dude, and he's. He's real excited about all the takeout food that he brought home. He's probably too excited, but it just, I don't have, I don't, when I sent this to Flora, I, even my text was just like, I don't know, man. I just, that you just had to have this. I don't, I don't know what context to put it in. Let me see if I can find it. I'll get you the name of the video that you can search on YouTube. It's called Chino Riendo Mientras Come. 
Okay. You're, so speaking of links, I finally figured out something I should have done a long time ago. Uh, if you go to uh, the Blurry Photos fan site on Facebook, uh-huh. I finally I just posted the uh, Hollow Earth certificate. So anyone who did, did you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I finally did. I was just like, why haven't I done this sooner? So uh, yeah, you can get that there. It'll probably, I don't know, uh, maybe I have to repost it later or something like it'll get buried over time, but yep, it's there. Hollow Earth, uh, all of you fucking McClintocks can, can <laughs> just download it and go crazy and wrap a burger in it and take it to lunch. And then when you unwrap it and people say, is that just a piece of paper you wrap your food in? Oh, I see. Here it is. Yeah. It's in, it's in the comments of a, yeah. of a thing. Well, you didn't believe me? No, I, I thought <laughs> you had posted it uh, on the wall. Well, I don't know from Apple Butter Nobody with, with the does. internet, it, so I, I was really, fake. I was really excited that it worked as well as it did. No, you, you did, and now it's time to work on that Lisa Frank one. Shut up. <laughs> so you were saying about atrocities? Oh yeah, now it's time to be visited by the atrocities that you have brought upon us. I don't know. I'm, I'm all horrified out. Yeah, I, I'm yeah. literally, I can't feel bad anymore. I'm numb. So, so listener mail, listener mail. <laughs> I'll start. Okay. Got an email from Scott H. Hello, Scott H. (laughs) (laughs) Initials. Hey, guys. I'm new to the podcast. Currently working my way through the archives. Thank you. Love the show. Thank you. Feel like there's a big old butt. All the banter is is a blast. My only complaint. There it is. There's that big old butt. Scott H is backing up to my front lawn. (laughs) I was just trying to sip on a mint julep and enjoy the sunset, but here comes Scott H's big old butt beep beep <laughs> wonder 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 what he's backing up <laughs> guess we'll never know we'll never know <laughs> thanks everybody we're all out of time good night uh my only complaint is the incessant bleeping during every episode god damn it yeah can we all agree that your demographic isn't 10 to 12 year old kids and that as adults we can handle the cursing well, I'm afraid Count Colin Lestrade might take issue with that, my friend. I got to be honest. Uh, we had this discussion when we first started. But what do we do? I was like, do we just never swear? And then we were both like, well, that's not going to work. <laughs> yeah. And then you beeped it. I like the beeps. I feel like it feels like more of a swear when you beep. You know, I, I'm in the same camp. Uh, uh, sadly enough, Scott. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Sorry that you don't like it. Uh, I'm we've- sorry, you fucking <laughs> But you're going to have to just sh- ass dick dick is that worth it that, that makes it in damn it uh uh I mean, I let it in yeah well i guess then then you can just shit an ass while you're fucking a gigantic ass makes it in too but that's okay i uh well it's okay you can it's more fun because you hear <laughs> beep an ass while you're beep a giant no beep. i i get it i get it scott and we've had the complaint you know before yeah but um i think personally I think it's funnier to hear a beep. Yeah, I dig it. You know, I, I don't know. It's also, just us. it's created a, a fun secondary game. I did notice this also on the uh, really, really driving traffic to the Blurry Photos fan site, which is a ton of fun. But um, a lot of discussion about like, it's like a tiny little Where's Waldo. Every now and then, Flora lets a little out in the church that is our podcast. Sometimes one makes it through the filter. That's true. But it's rare, so they got to really work for it. That's true. I even I even listen for quality and and sometimes I I even still miss it. Yeah. 
Sometimes last time I was I was angry at at you being a <laughs> giant ass to me. So I well, was probably just what was I doing? You were riding me for the Boise, Idaho. It was right around that part, but it was it was the amount of time it takes to edit an episode. You were really lowballing it. Oh yeah, well because well I actually didn't think I was because it used to be twelve hours, and then we figured out how to recondense everything, and you told me that it dropped it like in half. That's what you said to me, well, so, and we haven't talked about it since. I think it. I think it used to be more than twelve hours is the thing, and maybe it dropped to twelve. I, I think you just want a lot of attention for it. That's, <laughs> that, what I think. that's that's probably what it is. I think that's probably what that's, it is. That's probably what it is. So everybody, write in. Uh, I want. I mean, I, I want everyone to trace their hand on a piece of paper, send it to us in the mail, so Flora can feel your paper hugs. What an ass. Um, <laughs> It, uh, it takes longer than it should, probably. Yeah, it takes, but, well, yeah, no, it is a huge amount of work. It's um, gigantic. I wasn't trying to lowball you then. I was literally using the best estimate that you had given me. The moral of the story is that he let was it? It's like a. It was like a. It was you in the ass. Mm, it, it was, was. It was. I said it's a long fucking time. Yeah, you're welcome. I did that um, just for you, Scott. Sorry, Scott. We're we're probably gonna gonna leave it the way it is. <laughs> <laughs> there may there may come a day when especially we especially as much know. as I like to antagonize Flora. If it's I keep definitely. letting them slip through, then might as well just change it. But uh, he also says a big thank you to the guys over at Cinema Jaw for recommending us. So oh, we thank you would guys. also like to thank you, uh, to yes. Cinema, Jaw, Cinema Jaw. Thanks, Cinnamon Jaw. <laughs> Thanks, Cinnamon Jaw. <laughs> They're so sweet. <laughs> and thank you, Scott. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, Scott. For writing. We, sorry we about appreciate your, all sorry, feedback. Sorry about your big butt. Got an email from Ty. That's Hi, Ty. T-H-A-I. Is it? Mm-hmm. Oh, Ty, you're delicious. Ty's got a great story for us. Uh, Ty writes, I'm a fairly new listener. Uh, heard Welcome. about us from Six Feet Under. Oh, very nice. Yes. Ty knows that we are exemplary role-playing game aficionados who do it a great a great job. <laughs> great job of setting up characters. Right. Yeah. Backstory is where right. we excel. Having, having emotions. And uh, Ty's worked, uh, say Ty, Ty writes, I've worked my way through all your episodes on iTunes and have started on the archives. Oh, nice. Whoa, digging through it. Uh, the last episode I listened to was the Shadow People episode, and it made me want to share my own story. Please do. Uh, years ago, I was probably eight or nine at the time, and I was having trouble sleeping, so I got up and went across the hall to knock on my parents' door. All the lights were off in the house because, of course, everyone was sleeping. And I looked down the hall into the living room, only to see a dark figure of a man sitting on the couch. I called out thinking that it was my dad since that was the only adult male in the house. When I called out, the figure stood and turned towards me and started walking down the hallway. I panicked, knocking on the door to my parents' room again until my mom finally opened the door and turned on the hallway light. The figure was gone. I still have no idea what it was I saw and haven't had another experience like that since, but I thought it was worth sharing with you guys. Yes, I was sleeping too much was my problem. Yeah. Thanks, Ty. That'll clear that, that'll clear that right up. You'll sleep so little, you'll God. actually sleep. Acoustic insomnia. That's what I have now. Wow, what a Yeesh. story. Yeah, that's a... It, it kind of reminds me of what happened to me when I was like five. Like, right, your giants in the, the kitchen. In the, in the, yeah. Ugh. No, thank Crazy. you. Wow. Thanks, Ty. Thank you, Ty. Dave heard back from Giannis. Oh, Giannis. Got a little tidbit for us. Just a little one? He says the archetype for fictional Baron von Munchausen, going back to the uh, oh, yeah? Count St. Germain episode, uh, Hieronymus Karl Friedrich von Munchausen actually married into what is now modern-day Latvia in 1744 and lived here for the better part of a decade. Cool. <laughs> little Latvian fact. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> Thank you, Giannis. Uh, I got one from Ragaru. 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 Not the Rugaru. 
Ragaru. I have a feeling that uh, Ragaru likes his steaks medium rare and his gumbo tasting like you put your foot in. <laughs> I suspect so. I suspect his rumors fly, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ragaru writes, hey, guys. Hey. I wanted to be like the cool kid, so I gave myself a You're suit not- <laughs> What? What did he say? <laughs> Boy, I was positively gentle with Scott. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so I gave myself a pseudonym. We'll never, we'll, we'll never tell. It is Raiguru. First, love the live show. Uh, so glad I made it. You guys are great. Share a drink with. Sorry about almost running over Dave. See, he's just outing himself now. Oh, he wanted to write uh, about a story that his father had told a few times that when he was a teenager in Cottonport, Louisiana. Him and his friends encountered a cryptid. One night while they were walking along the bayou, no bullshit, that literally was a bayou in front of his house, a roughly six-foot-tall winged humanoid was slowly and silently gliding above them. It stared with glowing red eyes and moving its head back and forth to each of them. Then it accelerated off into the distance. The hair on my father's arm stood up every time he told the story. I did a few Googles uh, and found this was not an isolated incident across the U.S., Mothman aside, hmm. which he thinks is odd. On a last note, I wish there was a write-in option for the miscrypted voting system. I would love to see the South Dakotans get their spotlight. South Dakotans? Yeah, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> All the best, Rigaru. That ow, red eyes swooping in. The the glowing part always sticks in my crawl because we talked to even Mark. Uh, we even talked to Mark Soloff about yeah. that. How we have yet to witness some kind of uh, creature that can create light yeah, and have it come from their eyes. The tapetum. Yeah, it's usually a, a reflection. A word I, I learned from Dark Mark Soloff. I'm going to tell, anyway. tell you right now, I feel like uh, Ryan, your dad, could have saved himself a lot of hair standing on end if he just simply invested in some crane, crane janglers. janglers. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, how do you... How do you refute somebody's? It's uh, true. Like if I was there, story. I would still be cleaning cleaning dung out of my britches. <laughs> dung. I'd have dung in out my of your britches. Dungarees. My. D- <laughs> it wouldn't just be a clever name. What do you got, Flora? Thanks, Ryan. Oh, thank you, Ryan. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. a fun story. I mean, though. I mean, I mean, I mean, Ryan Guru. <laughs> <laughs> of course, uh, Dave. We've heard from MK Mediocre. Oh, not right. ultra. Well, just mediocre. I like having my expectations moderated and managed. MK says, I know it probably wasn't the intended effect after hearing your tarot episode, but I bought a deck and companion book of cards and started teaching myself how to read. Sweet. Though I fully acknowledge it's basically Mad Libs meets meets fortune cookies. Still fun. Anyway, uh, I read about a technique where you can drop the deck on the floor, read the cards that land face up. I tried this, then quickly modified it to the cards that land face up on the floor that my dog then sits on. Ah. I called it Chitsumancy. (laughs) I like that. It's surprisingly accurate in a you're going through hard times, but everything will work out for the best kind of way. Yeah. That's kind of how all that works. I'd love to hear your take on the Ouija. I'd look up in the archives to see if it's been done, but Lulu's currently trying to sit on my computer and typing's becoming difficult. Love the show. P.S. Lulu hides under the bed when she hears your theme music. <laughs> oh, well, Lulu sounds me, delightful. Me but too. Yes, we, we did a, a Ouija episode with the, the Swell guys at Expanded Perspectives. Kyle and Cam, we did that uh, uh, last Photober. That was one of our episodes in there. So go back uh, to the archives when you get a chance. It, it, it should still be on iTunes, too, I think. I think it's, yeah, it's I think that's still on there. Dropped off the ledge on that one. So, yeah, go back to, to last October, and yeah. that's when our Ouija episode was. 
Go back to October. Say hi to your mother for me. Say hi to your mother for me. Thank you, MK Mediocre. Yes, Lulu. MK. Okay. Got an email here from Kevin. Uh, Kevin writes, hey, Daves. Hey. I found your podcast through Ken Height. Oh, hell. Tip of the hat to you. So you roll in distinguished circles. <laughs> Will not be mocking your bottom. Uh, I was listening to your Count to St. Germain episode and you mentioned Nisara, which was new to me. I found it notable enough to write in, though, because it hit on something I've been researching a little bit in my own spare time. Boobs. Uh, the, <laughs> boobs. Uh, the link between the extreme right wing and batch mysticism. See, Nisara, uh, since Nisara seems to be mostly gold buggery and flat taxes, I'm comfortable classing it as right wing. Huh. Uh, anyway, back to St. Germain. You mentioned Godfrey Ray King and touched briefly on the Mount Shasta connection. Oh, yeah. Fun fact. Godfrey Ray King, a.k.a. Guy Ballard, claimed to have met St. Germain on Mount Shasta, and that experience spurred Ballard and his wife Edna to create the I Am Activity, uh, which still has a temple right here in Chicago's Loop. Second fun fact, some of the early recruits to I Am uh, came from the Silver Shirts, which is a fascist organization started by William Dudley Pelly. Pelly claimed that in a near-death experience, he'd met God and Jesus, who told him to remake America. Sounds familiar? spiritually apparently starting a hitler by, apparently by starting a hitler fan club pally also claims to have gained the powers of astral projection levitation and x-ray vision uh now the silver shirts are gone i think but the other groups like the uh like the posse comitatus and the sovereign citizens came from them you are clearly not just someone who happened to meet Ken at some point. <laughs> you and Ken meet on the reg. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> this is this might be Ken's pen name. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you very much, Kevin. Well, and thanks. welcome aboard. You, uh, I That's... hope that we don't offend your sensibilities. I think if he can tell that the extreme right wing with flat taxes and. Yeah. Gold buggery. Some yeah, gold buggery. I, I think he's he's down. He's running in the right in the right race. One more from me. Uh-huh. Heard back from Spooky Dookie. Spooky Dookie. Who sends us a wonderful picture of the Sea Squatch. <laughs> I believe Spooky Dookie, did you do this yourself? I think you did. Hilarious though. Yeah. Uh so <laughs> we we love it. Uh I I'll try to someday I'll I'll get that um uh computer. The, I'll get that computer that I've always been looking at. <laughs> you I've always been those. eyeballing in, in the, the store window. Yeah, we run this whole podcast out of a library. They hate us. Coke snort. <laughs> Woo! There we go. But uh, I'll, try to, I'll try to get some of these things, and in, in particular the Seasquatch up in the <laughs> fan, art, fan art section again on the, the website. Yeah, we have a whole tab for Squatch. Squatch hunting. We should. Thank you, Spooky Dookie. Thanks, Spooky Dookie. I got one last one here, which is just glorious, uh, from Goolable John, uh, and he writes, "Gentlemen, in a lifelong as a lifelong resident of the UK, I found myself slightly offended by the mocking of fake British place names in the spontaneous human combustion episode. <laughs> uh, the Spawn Who Come episode. <laughs> that helps. Uh, aren't you aware that we have taken plenty of hilarious real ones for you to make fun of?" I've taken the liberty of compiling, uh, compiling a list for your fingers crossed amusement. It is, uh, let's just count this out. One, two, three, four, five, six pages long. And I believe with the help of a little music, you're going to regale us with a few of them. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I'm going to pick, uh, pick some greatest hits here. All right. Here we go. Uh, 
Uh, we'll go back and forth. Kicking off with Boggy Bottom of Hertz. Bushy Gap, Northumberland. <laughs> Fingering Ho, Essex. <laughs> what? <laughs> Cock Bridge, Hope, Derbyshire. <laughs> you will never believe this. <laughs> it is him. Fudge Pack upon Humber, Humberside. <laughs> How do you name a place Fudge Pack? <laughs> Come on. You know what you're doing. <laughs> I can't even get out of the apps. Um, there, there, there's a disproportionate number of places named Cock something, oh, by the yeah. way. Crotch Crescent, Oxford. <laughs> uh, Flesh Shank, Northumberland. <laughs> Dick's Mount, Suffolk. Hole of Horkham, North Yorkshire. Horkham. <laughs> I don't know which one to pick. Um, <laughs> Liquor Moor, Northumberland. <laughs> Shittington, Bedfordshire. Oh, God. Minlove Avenue, Liverpool. Spanker Lane, Derbyshire. Prick Willow, Cambridgeshire. I'll see you, Prick Willow, and raise you Turkey Cock Lane, Colchester. <laughs> Ram Alley, Wiltshire. Titty Hill, Sussex. <laughs> Sandy Balls, Hampshire. Wide Open, Newcastle. <laughs> Little Horwood, Bucks. Upper and Lower Dicker, West Essex. <laughs> Lower Swell, Gloucestershire. Six Mile Bottom, Cambridge. Is that where Scott lives? Might be. I mean, this, you Poor know what? Scott, he'll never live it down. You know what? I, well, let's keep this. Give me those sheets back. Uh, if anyone wants to amend uh, any further emails, like we'll, we'll happily tack a few more filthy <laughs> British towns on there. But that was, that was awesome. Thank you Amazing. so very much, Goolable John. Thank and thank you. all of you for writing. Yes. Um, let's talk about other people to thank. How about we thank uh, audibletrial.com slash photos. You get a book. We get a thing. Done. Uh, let's also thank uh, everyone who's leaving amazing five-star reviews on iTunes. We love Big those. Thanks. We also are getting tons of likes on the Facebook. I haven't looked at the like count, but we were in the mid-1200s. I feel like we might be closing on. Closing in on the 13th Hildo, which is the devil's Hildo, as everyone knows. <laughs> then we have a coven of Hildos. That's right. We hit the Thildo. Mm-hmm. Now we're closing in on the, on the devil's Triscodecophobia. Hildo. That's what we've got. And we are terrified of what happens when the 13th Hildo <laughs> is achieved. Uh, Cards Against Humanity and the Chicago Podcast Cooperative. Awesome people. Uh, check out their podcast. They do a ton of great work. Um, one we haven't mentioned for a little while here is, uh, improvised Star Trek. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those guys are amazing. Um, I actually did a, uh, I opened for them uh, about a year ago at IO and it's a great show. They are extraordinarily talented, fun yeah, they, people. They do. They take a suggestion from the audience and then they, they create a, an episode of mm-hmm. Star Trek, uh, based on that suggestion, fully improvised. That's what they do on stage. They also take suggestions on their podcast and yeah. create a an improvised episode. Episode, yeah, and and put it on a, on a as a podcast. And I'll do you one better. If you enjoy Hello from the Magic Tavern, which is a crushingly popular podcast, Matt Young Usador, yes, is is the captain of yep. the the uh, Starship Sisyphus. Yep. So if if you like Hello from the Magic Tavern, you will love improvised Star Trek. Oh yeah. So. 
they never stitched those two together, and I'm doing it for them. <laughs> You're welcome. Magic Tavern likes to keep it clean, I think. Yeah, well, I'm making it dirty. <laughs> they talk about buttholes a lot. They're okay. Not as much as us, but close. There's a little bit of an arms race. Uh, thanks to the Dark Myths Collective. Yeah. A fine group of, of finely crafted podcasts of history and mystery. Mystery and tales. And, but also and herstory, guys. Also herstory. Uh, but yeah, check check out Dark Myths stuff at uh, darkmyths.org. And Patreon. And of Patreon. course, Patreon, the, the uh, lease option. The, the option to. For to the lease high performance luxury sedan that is Blurry Photos. model. Like we said, we have a lot to offer. Uh, we, we do try and get those offers out as, as quick as we can <laughs> sign up, uh, get in on our live show, come and, and hang out with us on a, on a live stream. Yes. Get caught in our live stream. We are now contractually obligated to do the paranormal okay. country music album. Having said that there's no actual contracts. Everyone just hold your breath. There was, there was, there was written that if we received $500 yeah. for yeah. one we, month, we will, we are working on it. Uh, I already gave you a taste last week. I don't know what else you want from me. <laughs> gave you a taste yeah we we will be putting that together it's gonna be a lot of fun it'll take us a little while but oh, you'll God, yeah. you'll get it and it'll be great we actually yeah. want to make it a uh, pretty good quality so yeah we're working on it and it's a whole album so so yeah. we'll give you we'll give you some more tastes as it goes on as we have more tastes to give right ah oh, i gotta go to the penalty box uh, yeah. i honestly as i sit here i don't remember why oh no, mm, we but, never do. We I know, we do it, but I remember going. Off, yep, I go to the penalty box, and I was right to go to the penalty. Oh, it was. Uh, I quoted the wrong. Oh, that's right. Uh, movie. movie. It was the wrong Guy Ritchie movie, and I got the Snatcher. the state of that Mount Shasta is in wrong. So yeah. So f- all right. Us. So it's time time to do the penalty box. It's yeah. time to pay the fiddler horse. Yeah, so yeah. uh, all right. Uh, Dave will be doing uh jump by. House of Pain, the y'all. House, House of Pain. House of Pain is in effect. Uh, Dave, are you in the penalty box? Yes, I am. All right. When you're ready. Okay. Here we go. Don't pack it in. Let me begin. I came to win. That's amazing. sin. Punch to do a bit of backup. Punch a bit of backup. The whole crew act up. Get up, stem. Punch your hands. All. <laughs> 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 okay, shut up. It's fine. And then I'll take the pong on stones. Get up. <laughs> Don't look at me. <laughs> if I got props, gonna <laughs> mom and your pop. <laughs> I cannot just see you see jump around. Hey, jump around. Oh my gosh. Wait, wait I gotta go back and I got one more. Oh, do you? Yeah, so that's the chorus. Everybody's jumping around. Oh, your ass like John John McEnroe. If the girl steps out, I'm smacking a girl. Do it to your moms. I drop, I drop bombs. <laughs> Just like a prodigal son of a return. When he step in the middle, you'll get burned. <laughs> I can't do it. Wait, that's it. <laughs> Uh, I think we've I think we've found a, a, a nice cruising altitude by listening to a song while doing the penalty box as well. As instead of just riffing, it's dis- it's difficult. Yeah, Dave's got two headphones in, and yeah, I've that's got earbuds and then headphones under over the earbuds. It's a lot. Holy cow! 
that makes me kind of think I sh- I should do it that way too. I think you should because my problem is I think I I slow myself down to to let me think. Oh, the word you're looking for is cheating. Sure, Flora, are you in the penalty box? Yes, I am in the penalty box. <laughs> you want to know what I'm doing? No. Yeah, I will be doing. Whoop! There it is by tag team. Oh, they're back again. They are. <laughs> Proceed with your sentence. And it goes a little something like this. Tag team, back again. Check it, direct it, looks bigger. Party on, party people, let me hear some noise. This is a jump for noise. So there's party over here, party over there. Party to shake a derriere. These three words when you're getting busy. Whoop, there it is. Hey, Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. Whoop, there it is. <laughs> Whoop, there, there, that's all it is. That's all it is. You're like a tour guide on a I'm whoop down and just head out. I'm about to show you, you people what it's all about. Now it's time to forget it, uh, Mike. Make this a uh, hearty hype. I'm taking it back to the old school. That's a mouthful. It's so cool. If you want to get it down, I'm going to show you the way. Whoop, there it is. Let me, let me hear it say. <laughs> whoop, He's, there it is. You're like a tour guide at the whoop factory. <laughs> whoop, there it is. Whoop, whoop there, it, there is. it is. There it is. <laughs> All right, there. Our our current debt to society paid in full until we, I mean, we probably already have more pending charges even as we write this. Oh, yeah. Say it, such is the nature. Yep. Uh, I think that's going to do it, though, for this episode of Blurry Photos. Damn what right do you it think, will. Dave? Flora. I've been the Nazi hunting David Flora. And I am the emotionally dead Dave Stecco. J.D. Powers and Associates rated Blurry Photos top of its class in Bye. Bye.